0: Cookie balls. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Volisi Podcast. A study in monology. This is your Grumpy Uncle Peter. He will say words at you. Clearly I've been working through my daddy issues lately because I've told multiple stories about my experiences with my father. My father plays guitar and he plays fairly well. And when I was young, I think I was about twelve. I asked him to teach me how to play guitar. Now, so he sat me down in a chair and he put the guitar on me and he told me I had to cross my legs. And I asked why and he said, that's how classical guitarists sit. So it's how you sit properly. But I was a very self-conscious 12 year old boy uh, and sitting like that wasn't comfortable. I'd never sat like that before. So actually sitting like that was physically uncomfortable. And quite frankly, the guitar being as big as it was and I was still relatively small, When I sat that way, the guitar went up into my chin and I couldn't even like see the strings or where my hands would be. And, but it was more the self-conscious aspect of it, sitting in a way I wasn't comfortable with that really, really put me off. But my father wouldn't let it go. He said, if I didn't, I had to sit properly if I was going to do it. And so of course I never came back for a second lesson. I think I learned a chord and I strummed it a couple times and then that was it. We were done. And I was supposed to come back and ask him if I ever wanted a second lesson, but I never came back because I knew the first thing he would do was make me sit properly, which I found very uncomfortable and didn't want to do. So there's a neat question there. So is it worth making someone do something properly if they're going to immediately quit? Or is it better to have them do it a slightly wrong way and maybe have that skill for the rest of their life? Because I don't play guitar. I don't play any instrument. I have no musical talent because I've never practiced. And I've never practiced because of that first negative experience, because I was forced to sit in a way I wasn't comfortable sitting. But also it comes down to enjoyment. Now, my father, in his mind, I wasn't dedicated enough. I I didn't really want it that badly. And I didn't. I didn't want it that badly. I just thought, oh, there's guitars around the house. Guitars are a neat thing. I I see people on TV using them. Uh, They seem like kind of sexy. I'd maybe like to learn electric guitar down the line and be a rock star. Who knows? I didn't have a particular passion for it, but it was a neat thing. It was available and I wanted to try it. And I was immediately turned off doing it because I actually never saw anyone sit down playing classical guitar. I saw music videos where guys were jumping off speakers and doing guitar solos. Way cooler than sitting with your legs crossed playing classical guitar. So I think maybe... It's better to introduce people to new things in a way that they enjoy it, regardless of it being 100% proper or not, as opposed to them not being able to pick up any new skills. Because should you get comfortable with the guitar, you might want to learn classical guitar and then sitting that way might make more sense, or you might just start doing that naturally anyways. But it's the same thing when people who are left-handed are forced to do things in a right-handed way. A lot of them I can see it's so uncomfortable they wouldn't do it in the first place. When, why, who does it hurt if they do it in a technically wrong way and actually pick up the skill? Which takes us on to a whole different topic that just entered my head, that there were no left-handed samurai. You had to, if you were left-handed, you still had to learn to wield your sword with your right hand. So that old Japanese ideology comes in all of a sudden. But now I'm thinking a left-handed samurai would really mess up everyone because they would have no idea what to do. A core question. Why are dragons on Game of Thrones and The Hobbit done incorrectly? Those are wyverns, not dragons. This is a problem I've, I have addressed several times. And it's the problem of people not understanding fiction. So I had to go look up the definition of wyvern just to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And to see and to make sure I understood what this person was talking about. So the definition of a wyvern is a winged, two-legged dragon with a barbed tail. And then if you look up the definition of dragon, a dragon is a large, serpent-like, legendary creature that appears in folklore of many cultures around the world. Beliefs about dragons vary drastically by region. Dragons in Western cultures since the High Middle Ages have often been depicted as winged, horned, four-legged, and capable of breathing fire. The first problem is that a wyvern is a kind of dragon and therefore calling it a dragon is perfectly acceptable. So the person who asked this question is trying to define something which is actually a subcategory of a big thing. So calling it a wyvern is correct and calling it a dragon is also correct. So there's your first problem is they think that those are different things and they're not. One's a subcategory of another. Now that's like saying... You shouldn't call people mammals because they're humans. But humans are a kind of mammal. So it is actually perfectly acceptable to walk around saying mammal, 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 mammal. You actually shouldn't just walk around saying that. That'd be really weird. Now, my personal problem is whenever someone complains about fiction, they seem to think that it's not fiction anymore, that there are rules that apply to the fiction, but those rules are only in their head. A great example of this is that the zombies in The Walking Dead are never referred to as zombies because the author decided that in this fictional world, there had never been any zombie fiction. So they had never used that word. So they called them walkers, and then when they meet different communities, the different communities have different names for the undead who have come back and attacked them. That's a really cool, interesting thing, and I thought it was a really nice touch, never using the word zombie. The author, when creating a fiction, is free to create whatever they want and define it any way they want. So, when they are writing about dragons in Game of Thrones, he could have called it whatever he wanted. He called it dragons, probably because we know what a dragon is, and therefore you don't have to draw a big painting or an image or an idea of what a dragon is. As soon as I say dragon, you have a fairly basic idea of what a dragon looks like. So that's all work done for you by general mythology that doesn't have to be done by the author. But he could have called them androids. This big reptile-like thing with wings that breathes fire, that walks around on two to four legs. The androids have come. Because in his universe, he creates the name, and that is the name that everyone in that universe is going to accept. The fact that you don't like it and that you're using a definition that has come from another source, means that other source is now irrelevant because it's not within this universe. It would be like if you read a science fiction book that talked about dilithium crystals, and you got angry that they weren't using dilithium crystals the same way that that term is used in Star Trek. Because Star Trek, as far as I know, where they originally coined the term dilithium crystals. But the fact that I've changed the universe and I'm using a similar word or the same word for a different thing is perfectly acceptable because that is how fiction works. So why are the dragons in Game of Thrones and The Hobbit done incorrectly? Well, they're not. You are incorrect because first of all, you've not even understood the definition properly. Those are wyverns, not dragons. Wyverns are a kind of dragon and therefore you can call them dragons. But more importantly, you've misunderstood how fiction works because the most important thing to remember is it's not real. Hey Peter. In episode 150, you referred to part horse, part humans as uh, centaurs, and I believe you assumed they're mythos species. And I happen to know that some of them will identify as minotaurs. So I'd like you to talk about minotaurs, please. Yeah, let's let's talk about minotaurs, cause that's that's how I want to spend my life. That's that's what I went to school for years and years of education, university, degree. Minotaurs. All right, so there's a couple of actual issues. One, I had to do research for the centaur episode, which really sort of ruined a bit of me inside. Part of my soul died a little bit. And the reason is, I had to go and read about centaurs. And of course, anything that's posted on the internet uh people weigh in with their opinions. You get, you get people's ideas and thoughts and things, and, and most of those are pretty awful. And I think the reason it bothered me was because there were actual people who, who were legitimately trying to take a stand on the centaur-minotaur issue. But it's very clearly divided. You can't identify as a minotaur or a centaur. You can't be a centaur- who identifies as minotaur because of the definition. Now this, of course, if you get into modern uh, social politics, is actually a very uh, risky stance to take. So I'm taking a tough stand, but it's primarily because centaurs are a species, whereas the minotaur is actually an individual. You have the centaur. The centaur is universally defined as a human torso attached to the physical body of a horse. But that would even include the horse torso. Which is the first problem that comes up when you think about centaurs. A minotaur is a human body with a bull head and a bull tail. Now we, there were some questions as to whether a centaur could have a human body and a horse uh, torso. But throughout the mythos that never occurred. The, min- the minotaur specifically though is the offspring of the Cretan queen, Pasiphae, not 100% sure I'm saying of that, Pasiphae, and a majestic bull. It's actually defined as a majestic bull. I don't know what the difference between a bull and a majestic bull is. Uh, and this Cretan queen, why she was getting it on with a bull, It's I didn't read the whole story. And I think the reason I didn't read the whole story is because I didn't want to. I, I took a deep dive once into Zeus and basically it was all the things that Zeus had raped. And after that, I kind of, I kind of uh, lost a bit of my taste for mythology because there was a bit too much rape and there was a lot of interactions between animals and people. Now, uh, the, one of the things I brought up in episode 150, the centaur episode was the story of Mr. Hands. And Mr. Hands had a horse provide sexual services for him, and it killed him. Now, I don't know what's going on with this Cretan queen or the majestic bull, but uh, the fact that A, she survived that, and B, produced offspring brings up a lot of questions. And questions that we're not going to get answers to, again, because I'm not going to do that research. So, could a centaur identify as a minotaur? When, when people say, like, they identify as something else, they refer to a general thing. It would be difficult for someone to say they identify as a different individual. Like, if you said, Guy who sent in this question, my name is Guy, but I identify as Grumpy Uncle Peter, that would be a very hard thing for people to accept Now, you could say I identify as a different gender. You could say I identify as a lot of things. Uh, We know that furries identify as different animals, mostly fictitious ones. And there's a step beyond that, which is the one that sort of confuses me, where it's the people who identify as an anime character. And that's actually where I start to draw the line in that I think somehow I can accept you identify that you are a dragon you could identify that you are from the world of Naruto. You are a Naruto ninja. But when you say, I identify as a specific character, like I identify as Rock Lee, the problem is when you meet someone else who identifies as Rock Lee, and this is apparently a real conflict that has happened on the internet, which is, again, why the internet is just maybe a place that should be closed off and burned. You get these two people who both identify as Rock Lee, and then you can't have a singular Rock Lee, but the whole point is that Rock Lee is an individual. And you run into the same problem now with the centaur-minotaur question, because the minotaur isn't a species. It's a singular individual. So could you have multiple centaurs identify as minotaurs? And here we've gotten into a series of sentences that I never wanted to say in my life. Because they're not identifying as something different from them in general. Because being a minotaur is no longer just a feeling or an understanding or something you identify as. Being a minotaur is singular. So the question then is do you accept that you, could ide- that you Guy, could identify as me, Peter? But then I think the secondary question as to why I won't accept it is what happens to me, Peter? Because I identify as Peter can we both identify Peter? Can, can Peter be a universal state of being? Which I don't think it can. And primarily because the universe would collapse in on itself. So just because there are a mixture of body parts, you have the centaur torso and the horse body and the bull head and the human body. Those do not equate. They're not the same thing. And the centaurs are abominations, But they are an abomination that is a species, that is generalized. The Minotaur is unique. I don't think you can really justify identifying as a unique individual in the universe. Because once something is an individual, once something is unique, it is different from all other things. And so you can't identify as that because you can't fully encompass or understand what that thing is. So that's why Guy cannot identify as me That's why those anime kids can't actually identify as an individual anime character because they can't actually understand all the worldview, And so they don't really share all the feelings of that person, of that character. But thinking about the Minotaur, which is, again, something I never really wanted to do in my life, I realized that the Minotaur, I have a big question about the Minotaur's brain. Because it has a bull head, doesn't necessarily mean it has a bull brain. So does the Minotaur behave more like a bull or more like a human? Or is it some kind of actual hybrid? Because I think it's presented as a hybrid. It's actually, in the things I've read, presented as more animalistic than human. It's sort of a rage machine. And so they had that big maze built for it. I don't really know why that was a better solution, but they made the big maze, the labyrinth that he was kept in, Now what I do know, and this is again maybe a big differentiation between the minotaur and the centaurs, the minotaur was given youths and maidens to eat. So he ate human flesh. Centaurs, now I don't know specifics about their diet, and that's actually a big question that I had, because they technically would have multiple stomachs. They would have the human stomach in the front, and then they would have the horse stomach sort of down later in their body. So which stomach gets used because the human stomach and the horse stomach don't process foods the same way centaurs are depicted as eating meat and hunting so they are not depicted as eating youths and maidens it's not specifically so we don't know if that's true that actually might be the venn diagram of creatures But somehow the minotaur makes more sense because he just has one stomach, so he eats and he digests very much like a human would. Does the centaur eat meat that is digested in the human stomach and then graze on grass, which is digested in the horse stomach? How would it know which one to use? Does it have two esophagi? One where the path for meat goes to one stomach and one that goes to the horse stomach, which is way longer, because it actually would kind of go all the way through the human part of the body into the horse body. Yeah, it just leaves too many questions. It, it, the, the digestion of the centaur is now my biggest sticking point. It's, it's how does that work? No, Someone needs to explain what do centaurs eat? And if they only eat meat or hunting, if they, if they hunt and they eat meat primarily, let's say their primary source of food is uh, protein of some sort, other animals, does that have a negative impact on the horse side of their body? Because it seems like it would. I don't think you could feed horses high-protein diets like meat and they would remain healthy. Just like you can't take a predator and give them some sort of grass-fed diet and expect them to remain healthy. So there are very specific physiological differences, but I think that's not the big problem because you could identify as someone who's different from you in a general sense. It's the individualized nature of the minotaur that makes him unique in the world. You could say you identify as the minotaur, but you actually wouldn't understand what the minotaur feels because the minotaur feels specific things and okay. you can't feel the exact same things. I mean, it is possible you could feel the exact same things, but you couldn't say it to such a degree with confidence that you are feeling the same way that you are actually, therefore, an embodiment of the Minotaur. So the reason a Centaur cannot identify as a Minotaur is the individualized nature of a singular being in the universe, the Minotaur, and digestion. The loss of Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, cast or go to slash podcast. Quite frankly, way cooler than sitting at a table. Quite cool, way cooler than sitting with your legs.